Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. This week, or actually last week, because I took a week off, sorry about that, I talked with John Dabari about how to work with orphan rosters, how to play Dynasty in general. This marks like the, the fifth, I think, interview in a row where I'm basically talking to someone who wants to be flexible and use common sense, and uh, I don't do that, so... I think it makes for an interesting conversation to find out how we differ in that regard. I I tend to play as if I'm going to break rather than being willing to bend. And uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. I want to thank him for coming on once again. Hope you enjoy the conversation and let us know what you think. I'd like to just start off with literally asking you, so who are you? Yeah, so... John Debari, a writer, podcaster, uh, write for DLF, you know, this off-season DLF and uh, 4 for 4 kind of had a little partnership going on, so I wrote a few things over there, um, podcast on the Fantasy 40 podcast with uh, Matt Walker, so we do that every week, looking forward to week 18 to <laughs> finally take a break, but before we get into fantasy or <laughs> NFL playoff fantasy, um, but yeah, just like writing, like podcasting, been playing Dynasty for over 20 years. I think my first, well, Dynasty a little less than that, but I, my first like fantasy leagues were in the early 2000s, so hitting that yeah, you're an old guy. 20 year mark. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. No, um, again, terrible introduction, but it does a lot of things for me. One, I can't mispronounce anyone's name. I'm like, hey, yes. say your name, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you do a lot of stuff, and you've been around with DLF for a little while as well. Um, what I thought we'd start with talking about, don't know where it'll end up, but is uh, you've mentioned you're doing a lot of um, auctions right now, orphans right now. You're taking on a lot of new teams and trying to make them not suck anymore, right? Am I right on that? <laughs> yeah. So kind of the last two years, uh, you know, you're in so many startups, especially when you're, you know, in DLF and active on Twitter and people are looking for new people. So I kind of was looking to shake it up a little bit and I wasn't finding any um, new new dynasty startups that were kind of where I wanted to be money wise. So. I started a, two, maybe three years ago, I started putting out feelers every year to pick up orphans and, and half as an experiment to kind of get more stuff to maybe write about. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, worst case scenario, I, I suck at this, but <laughs> give me some some content for a handful of uh, articles over the next couple of years. But well, no, yeah. I also like orphans because it feels like it's like taking on a challenge and it's always going to be different. But also there's just like the excuse, this team's messed up already. So anything I do from here, like I can blame on the start. <laughs> I don't know if you ever feel that way, but I like the the whole, there's a road, but a road before this team that was not my fault. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you've got the different types of orphans you're walking into. If, if, if it's a league where they just have the one, you're coming in and taking over that roster no matter how bad it is and now it's up to you to fix it and then there's the other leagues where there's you know whatever three three teams walk away and they throw all the players back in a pool and you and the new owners get to redraft again which is kind of cool and you know we were talking a little bit about just doing this for a while and kind of having a feel for it 
I feel like I've done really well in those leagues where we get to just redraft out of that player pool. Like I, I, you know, with, with experience of playing for so long and writing and podcasting and having to research week in and week out, if you're going against, you know, a guy who's just this little, this fun weekend thing, (laughs) you have a pretty good advantage going into those leagues where you could build a really competitive team right out of the box. But yeah, the, the, the teams that are complete shit that I have to go in and rebuild is challenging, especially if it's one of those teams where they've also traded away all their draft picks and you get it and you go, well, you could find some situations, right? Like <laughs> the best player you've got is Zay Jones. You have yeah. your draft picks. Yeah. What do you do? And that's why I thought it'd be an interesting place to start. Cause as far as I can tell, most things that I'm curious about and people seem to get curious about in my direction sometimes is like, what, what do I do from here? And so, I don't know, not so you don't have to go through, you know, sucking eggs territory here. I think there's two basic ways. Like you look at the roster and you identify players that have more value, like who's good, who's bad, how many draft picks do I have, when are they? So you have a good idea of what you have like in your piggy bank to do things with. And, and then you compare it to like some understanding of players in the NFL. Like you think player X is undervalued by most people right now. And so that might be where you start. But that's kind of how I think about teams. I look look at a team and decide what to do from there. Do you differ somewhere? Because like you could look, that seems too simple to me, but you could also do it the exact opposite way, which is just, I don't care what's on my roster. I'm going to trade it away for whatever I can that's draft picks and start again. Or you like, there could be many other ways of looking at it. So how do you start when you first join an orphan? What do you do? I, I think the one perk for me personally, that the thing I enjoy about it, the, that's very different from, you know, a startup or a league I've been in for eight years. I think when you go through a startup and you do your startup draft, then your first rookie draft after that, and you got a team that you've already kind of put your stamp on. It's got a lot of, you know, <laughs> quote unquote, your guys on it from, from right. day one. I think it's, there's a little like, oh, it's it's my baby. There's a little difficulty <laughs> in trading away certain players. Where on an orphan, you know, it, the roster construction is going to be different than the way you typically build any team. And you're not really married to any players at that point because you just took them on. So it's like, well, maybe I don't have a ton of uh, Nick Chubb. But there's Nick Chubb here. And even if though, even I like Nick Chubb, it's like it's easy for me to dump him in this league for draft picks because I didn't put this together. I know exactly what you mean, actually. It's kind of it's one of the things I challenge myself with on my teams. It's like how do they say it in trade podcasts and stuff? There's like a there's like a roster tax or whatever. Because he's on your roster, you think he's worth more. And if it's a team you built, like I've been hanging on to Rashad Bateman for two years or Elijah Moore for two years. I'm not letting them go now. Whereas yeah. if it's just a fresh new team, you kind of can consider players in a new light maybe. But also another part of it must be like, if it's in a league you started with, you drafted the first roster, you kind of know who's playing in that league more. Like you've seen them do their moves. Whereas if it's just an orphan team, you like you don't even know who likes to trade or what they like to trade. Is there any challenge to that part of it? I think, 
you know, every league has its own, like you said, the, the different owners, especially if you played for a while, you kind of have a feeling of who you like to trade with and who you don't like to trade with. But there's one, there's one league I started, a, I, I took over an orphan and then they had a startup draft, most of the same guys. So I joined that other league and I, there it's the, among the worst trading leagues I've ever been in. Like it's constant dog shit offers. And I'm like, I'm just not, and there's like a chat and they're like, you don't even respond. I'm like, if I, if I don't respond, it's not even close. Like I'm not even, right. I'm not replying to you. So there, there is that where, you know, different leagues. Yeah. When, when you're playing with new people and you're, you're the new guy, one, if you're the new guy, a lot of people think they'll take advantage of you. So I think right off the bat, you get a lot of bad offers to see if you know, right. if you're, a, you're a dummy and you'll take them. And then, um, <laughs> You know, in more established leagues, like there's a, I'm in this one huge 96 team, six copy of each player, full IDP league. And I, right. I would bet you, I mean, kind of, I guess it's Pareto principle in action, right? Like I, I think 80% of my trades are with the same 20% of the team. So I, but I think that happens in, in other leagues, even like my, my oldest home dino. I mean, there's like, Two guys, I won't even if they send me an offer just because it's them, I won't even open it or just it's an auto reject. Like I'm not trading with him. <laughs> right. And then I have a couple other buddies that yeah, we're always flipping players or at least talking. So um I think but, I'm on a lot of people's no trade lists. So yeah, I know how I know how that goes. Like I'm not trying to like get but yeah, with the orphans though too, yeah. You you have you were talking about the the trade tax and stuff. I think you have, especially in, in, in startups and stuff, you have your guys and other people have their guys and it becomes harder to trade certain people because he's worth, like you said, he's worth more on your team, especially like sleepers. If you got a guy, ah. you're like, oh, I love this guy in the late third this year because I, I you get that satisfaction of being right. You know what I mean? Like, wasn't Aaron Jones a third round pick when he was, you know, in rookie fourth draft? round? I think Jamal Williams was third round. They were drafted one round after each other. No, no I mean for, for in dynasty drafts. Oh, this yeah, uh, second third round probably. So, I mean, yeah, there's guys like that who who <coughs> I really believed in, and a, a a buddy of mine did some interviews with him uh, coming oh, out of UTEP. Awesome. So he actually, and then I was commenting on that, and he's actually. He's followed me on Twitter for a long time. I've always been like, ah, he's been like my my Twitter buddy too. So it's like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. No, so, Aaron yeah, Jones. You... I love Aaron Jones. He's one of the most misdrafted players I've ever found. If you know, it's like yes. Stefan Diggs, Aaron Jones, top of the list. It's like these guys should not have been drafted anywhere near this low. Yeah, yeah, but you get a guy like that who you're, you know, you put your stamp on from day one, and you're like, no, no, this guy is good, and then you know, having them hit and be on a ton of your rosters, that's a real big, you know, feather in your cap. You're like, oh, look at me. Look what I did. So it's harder to pry those guys off your rosters than even a guy that like Keenan Allen, who everybody, you know, aside from the age thing now in Dynasty, everybody (laughs) knows he's good, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly. (laughs) There's a couple of those guys right now. There's Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen. DeAndre Hopkins is out there scoring points, but lost his quarterback. Like we know they're good, but we're kind of just waiting for the end. 
and I do want to talk about that, but there are two ways I want to go right now, as always. There's back to, but what do you do? What's the first thing when you look at an orphan? And the other one is the rookie evaluation you were just pulling up. Like, what? where do you start? What do you try and highlight for yourself? Now, which way do you want to go? I'm going to leave it to you. Like, which would you um, rather talk about for the next 20 minutes? What was the first one? What are you doing with the orphans? Yeah, yeah. Like, what's the yeah, first so, step? Obviously, every roster is different, but like, sure. what? you look to try and improve is there something you look to try and improve first i think the the first thing i look at is what kind of draft picks i have so mm-hmm. you know sometimes you we were talking before we started recording sometimes you take this team your roster sucks and you have no picks so you're like yeah yeah i gotta i gotta <laughs> i mean you're not gonna really especially if the roster's garbage which most orphans are that's why they're orphans if somebody's winning a championship every year. They're not likely to dump that roster. So you're typically taking on questionably built teams. So, you know, you're (laughs) going to have to rebuild that through the draft because you're just not going to have enough name value typically to, to rebuild that through trades. And then, you know, in, I've always found in rookie drafts, you can always really start moving around picks and accumulating a lot more. So you can go into a draft with, let's say the team just got a, an early second. So you trade one guy, get another second. Now, if somebody falls in that draft, you know, your team's going to suck. Whoever's still on the board that fell isn't might be a value, but they're not going to help your team. So now I can flip that whatever two Oh two and my two twelve for a first next year and a, and, earlier second next year and maybe a fourth this year and you're like okay i'm able to build up you know kind of a war chest of picks trading the few picks i have um i was just gonna say so the first step is literally just slowly however you can build more draft capital in rookie drafts yeah i've got um yeah and, and just kind of being in so many leagues we were talking a little bit before we started recording just adding these orphans just as a way to change up kind of what you know you don't want to be in the same league right so 25 25 of the exact same league is no fun so most of my leagues are really different than each other i'm in another i was gonna mention that actually because you were just talking about that one league i was like i play in nothing like that so that it probably changes a lot what you want to do yeah and then i'm in another one that's a 32 team full idp single copy of every player so it's real shallow and it's, it's set up just like the nfl i mean everybody's got an actual wow. NFL team. They the your schedule is the same schedule as the real NFL team. So um but like see I that, like the default to the idea that everyone's playing in a vanilla PPR league with 12 teams in it and that doesn't work with you. <laughs> so you really have to consider the league you're playing in. Yeah. So like that league, for example, um I think we have uh I think the rookie draft is six or seven rounds. And the the rosters are only like 24 people, I think. So it's very shallow, but I mean, it has to be shallow just because of the size of it. But I've Mm -hmm. been flipping picks the last two years. So last year and next year combined, I think I had like 20. My whole roster is gone. Between the two years, I had 25 draft picks. So I'm able to completely flip that and gut it. I mean, that was a league I was in since the startup and I was competitive the first year or two. And then it started trending downhill and I could, you know, read the writing on the wall. So it was like, okay, I got to start dumping 
like DeAndre Hopkins, I think I got two first four and I traded um, Aaron lot. Donald for a couple firsts. So I was able to get a ton of draft capital and early draft capital is important in that league because there's only so many <laughs> good players every year. So being able to flip that and, and usually, like I said, in draft, I have a lot of luck and I don't mind kicking the can down the road all the time. So it's like I'm on the clock. I'm picking whatever we'll say 24th it's like is anybody here definitely a game changer for me if the answer is no then I'm happy to move him for you know people in that league will typically give up you know two future firsts for your first this year so it's like okay you want to come up here and you want to come get Drake London come come take him I'm going to get your first next year and the following year so you so if that's interesting, well, a lot of it's interesting, but one of the things you seem to be pointing out is game changers. That's what's sticking in my mind here. Like, you either want something you think has definitely got the upside, like significant upside, or you're willing to move on, like, let's just keep building value, right? Does that sound fair? Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, especially in those type of leagues where they're huge and, and the, the right, right. talent pool gets shallower. Yeah, for sure. I don't mind. Like, there's certain guys that I, you know, we were talking about pinpointing busts in every draft and like, a, so when there's some guy or several guys I don't like, I love seeing them get drafted <laughs> because it's like they weren't even on my board. So to take right. him off the board, all the guys I like are, are falling to me. Yeah. And the other point there is uh, we talk about it a lot in the dynasty grind. Like one of the most important factors is you said shallow, but it's also just when I'm thinking more of vanilla leagues, like it's how many starters or how many teams in your league, like the smaller the league, the smaller the number of starters, the less, um, even the Devonte Smith really matters. You want AJ Brown, it, the deeper the league, the yeah. shallower the league is. And so adjusting that way is important too. Um, all right, let me, let me shift you over to that second section though. How, how do you look for those players that you think have game when we're, typically talking about rookie picks right now but you can go more broad with it too like what are you looking for for players that have that edge i'm i'm smart enough to know how stupid i am right so there you go that's me i know i'm not smarter than anyone i'm good we've got enough and you know it's a little maybe easier for you and i or other guys that write and have access you know what i mean i can go into whatever twitter message group and go Hey, who would you guys start? Or what do you guys think of this guy versus <laughs> this guy? We're, you know, and it's people that other people are pegging to get their advice from, you know? So having access to that and going, all right, well, these guys like this guy and I don't. So what am I missing here? So I, I think, you know, I don't know. No, how there's, you, um, you it's want not even it, having but... access. Like um, I've got a discord for my patron and I do projections and it's how I base my start sit questions. One of the I'm running jokes in there is like every Saturday I'm getting questions about who to start. And like the, the projections are pinned, guys. Like, I got, yeah. like, go look. And they're like, nah, I'm just going to ask you. And it's whether you're behind a paywall or in a group chat, I think it's just easier to ask. Like, there might be nuance you don't know. And so on Twitter and even in Discord, link directly to my projections, people just want to <laughs> ask a question. It's not even like asking me a question because a lot of times other people in the Discord are the ones answering better than I am or quicker than I am. And it's just because you want to air it out. And someone might say, oh, you didn't know that guy's injured. 
or that guy's got a bad matchup, or it's snowing in Buffalo. Did you not hear? It always is snowing in Buffalo. It's the trick. And um, yeah. so I think being able to jump onto Twitter or into a group chat or just DM someone. It's one of the things I find about the Dynasty Grind on um, Wednesdays, too. <laughs> Plug. I just realized I was plugging my own show on my own show. <laughs> yeah. too. Like It's not like people asking don't have processes or they don't know, but it's just good to ask sometimes. And I think that's one of the things we miss when we're trying to, like I was talking to you before this show started, pummeling my head against the wall trying to come up with something smart to write i think a lot of the reason there is a group of us making content is because we need someone to bounce ideas off <laughs> and so that's right like getting in those group chats getting on twitter just ha- knowing who you can ask and someone will share a thought is a good idea well and here in getting like i can't think of a good example but if you like player <laughs> a if you like player a this week but you know the all the all the other stuff you're seeing online is player B, and right. there's no you know no description behind it where you could go in a DM and be like, hey, who do you like this week? And they go, I, I like player B, and you go, what, what am I missing here? So I think <laughs> right. it helps you build your process, and you go, oh, I didn't realize you know, no, I, I, you know, it could be a trend exactly. thing, you know. Oh, the last eight times Jacksonville faced a tight end over six five. On the road and- <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> you learning what you're what you're not yes. missing out on sometimes. Yeah, the conversation is key. I think. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. care out. Is there anyone sticking out to you right now? Like you can't. You just reference Keenan Allen as being like really good. In my head, I've already kind of written him off because I know I can't trade him to anyone for anything more ever again. I love Keenan Allen. I think he's going to keep being great until he decides to retire. But it's interesting that he's on a different list in your head. I'm less scared of old guys at this point in time than I have been in years past. For for a long Mm -hmm. time, you know, kind of you, especially with running backs, you hit that age 30 cliff. And I think what wide receivers, it's kind of, downward starts at age 32 but the the guys if you look at who's like 27 right now at running back which for i don't know the last five plus years that was a death sentence you're like well it's done for him (laughs) but like i'm not as down on zeke as a lot of other people i i I like i love tony pollard but i I don't think think zeke's Zeke's an interesting name like i was thinking about him the other day it's like i've completely written him off and i think he had a good game the other day yeah i I don't think why why wasn't i like like he's still pretty good yeah (laughs) i don't think he's washed and just off the top of my head i think i think aaron jones is 26 or 27 zeke's 26 or 27 uh i think eckler's around there there's a ton of guys that are still productive and i think for several years the the top running backs aged out but i don't think they were you know i know they weren't the damian tomlinson but we didn't have (laughs) i don't think their talent was there like these guys that are 26 27 so a lot of these guys that people are trying to dump and get rid of and they're like "Uh," approaching that age clip i think they're going to be good for another three years so if people are selling them on a discount i'll be happy to snap them up yeah i I know you don't listen it's okay no one listens to the crossroads it's fine but this is something this is a group of players that's coming up with everyone i talk to like i talked to rich cooling last week um and just talking about something entirely different and they came up again it's like there's a there's it's the end it's not the end i think we're like 
three fourths, maybe, of the way into a career of this great running back era, the 2017 era, if you will. And they're all, like you say, 26, 27. Zeke wasn't from that draft class, but he's of the era. So's Barkley. And um, they're different than the last time we had 26, 27 year olds, because this is a different, these are, these were better running backs when they were drafted. And so they're better running backs now they're slightly older. And that's an interesting way of thinking about it, you just said. And now Rich's point was that means because there's more of them, they're actually easier to trade for right now. And so the rubber meets the road on all those orphans, all your teams. Do you find yourself ending up with more of these old running backs or less of them? I I wouldn't say I'm hard to trade with. I think it depends on the trade partner. I mean, some guys we kind of agree on value and and, and, and other teams you really don't. So where people have tried to head into this year, like people were lowballing me. I I have a ton of Aaron Jones. So people were trying to get him from me. And I was, I'm willing to trade anybody if you're going to pay the appropriate price, but I don't know if, like you said, other people are talking about it. So I don't know if that content is out there floating around in the the fantasy ether where other people are like, no, I I think he still holds value of a late first, (laughs) even though he's 27. It's like, uh, he's doing more for me on my roster. Even, even if he, you know, like shit, Edelman died on a ton. I had Edelman everywhere <laughs> and and yep. he just died on my teams. And he was still, you know, till the very end there, he was still worth just holding. It wasn't worth me to get rid of him because what am I going to do? Okay. What am I going to do at your middle fourth? We do constantly underrate how many good fantasy players we see because there are some players that score every point, uh, score points every year or come out of the rookie draft and increase in value. But like we're still talking about Amari Cooper, we're still talking. We were still talking sure. about Julian Edelman, like ten years in. Um, in terms of regular consistency of finish, yeah, I, I'm definitely in on that train. But that actually brings me to a point. Something I was thinking about when you were not a point, a question, another question, another boring question. Building through the rookie draft, like I don't know anyone. Like I've never been able to build dynasty through the rookie draft, unless it's I don't have to make those picks. I can trade those picks for more things. Because you are so likely, like, it take you like three years if you hit on every first, second, and third round pick to get six decent players, you know? <laughs> so how do you deal with that in orphans where you're going for all those draft picks, but you know, uh, you know, you're not going to draft six straight hits over two years and you don't probably don't have a timeline, but it would be nice if you were more competitive early. Um, sure. But yeah, you have something to deal with that where you're going for rookie value, but a rookie draft is very, it's feast or famine if you make those picks. Yeah, I think, it, and I don't know if this was when we were recording or before, gotten to the point where I'm good at avoiding landmines. And I think yeah. especially rebuilding an orphan, I think that's super important because if, if you have to rebuild through the draft, if I blow that first round pick, I, I'm in a hole I can't get out, right? So that's totally dead. Right. So I would I'll I'll miss on a high upside guy if he's also the the high you know super low floor guy. If I can hit on a guy who's even if he's my wide receiver three, if I'm starting three wide receivers, he's still a usable player for me. So I'm not right. swinging for the fences in a league where it's not a luxury where I need the, that those high floors and have to get someone in that can actually be in my lineup. They tend to be easier. It's easier to see the player who's going to disappoint 
than it is to know which is the wide receiver one and which is the wide receiver five, right? The ranking is more difficult than the yeah. one who's clearly got strong burst potential, I think. Um, but don't keep us in the dark, man. What do you look for? Rookie season's here. I'm scared. I don't want to draft the next guy more. Um, <laughs> is that what you look for? Players drafted from the wrong teams? Players drafted from the wrong so, uh, ages? Or I mean, kind of, kind of t- two things. One, for whatever reason, I'm just a sucker for the senior ball. So anybody that <laughs> anybody in the senior ball gets uh, on, on my podcast. Uh, <laughs> My, my my co-host always laughs because we had, we'll come out with our early rookie rankings and then we'll change right. it, you know, following the senior bowl, we'll update them, then pre-combine, post-combine, after the draft. I don't mind radically swinging rankings. Like I'm not locked in on my preliminary ones. So senior bowl happens, a guy pops, and not even the guy – necessarily popping on the field i i like the senior bowl so i listen to a ton of stuff on the radio on youtube on on you know different podcasts i read a ton of stuff any news coming out of them and all over it because you have nfl coaches there coaching these guys so you start seeing stuff real early in that week where they're like oh so-and-so is opening coaches eyes and this guy looked good and this guy's you know voted team mvp behind the scenes and you go okay nfl teams like this guy now what right. he, if that works or not i don't know but you, you you do get a lot of sleepers i mean last year uh damien pierce had a really good senior bowl and then he ended up popping but everybody caught on to that so unless you're drafting really early you ended up missing because his adp went crazy after he landed in houston but yeah those injuries screwed you right everyone started looking before it was time right yeah but as far as um yeah kind of guys to avoid a lot of that I'll start getting to, uh, kind of, well, a little bit video, like just guys' body language. Like I watched him stand at the line of scrimmage even. You're like, doesn't even look interested. And just knowing <laughs> kind of in the NFL dif- differs from team to team. There's, you know, old school coaches who <laughs> need you to give 100% every time. And then there's the new school guys that are like, it's all right, guys, take a playoff. So I, I, that <laughs> – the unique to the player, I think it changes on their landing spot. But I really like combine stuff, right? Because you have actual numbers you can compare over, you know, the history of the combine. So when you see certain guys and you go, well, I liked so-and-so, but that's one of the worst three cones I've ever seen. And that's important for, you know, whatever position you go, uh, I'm going to bump him down because, you know, if, if I, I can't think of a, if everyone ran a certain number, right. On, on the three cone and everyone below that number, you look, you just look at the list of names and you go terrible, 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 terrible. You're in that group of terrible guys. So I'm not taking you in a rookie draft unless you fall to value because I'm now lumping you with all these shitty players. Right. And um, do you think a hyper focusing on that or just focusing on that, um, because you think the NFL values values it, or because of that grouping, though? Because mm-hmm. I think that's interesting, especially when you were talking about the Senior Bowl and those NFL coaches. Like, there's an area of uh, prospect evaluation we're not only blind to, but like we're guessing at best. Like coaches like this, I guess, and coaches say they're like this, I guess, but it's not. Especially where everyone knows everything and everyone has access to all the data these days uh, and better data if they're behind paywalls. 
Um, I think it's interesting that you're more interested in like what coaches say, or what coaches might prefer, or like the gym coach who likes you to stand up straight on the sidelines sounds yeah. alien to me as a variable, but I can get why you're like, maybe some people don't consider that. Well, like I said, kind of, you know, going back to the, the generalist thing, right? So, right. I, I'll, I, I can read the box score. I can see people say, Hey, look at these combine numbers. This guy did this. And taking in all that information and looking at it all big picture, knowing what I heard on the radio eight months ago, or not eight months ago, that would be a whole season, but <laughs> eight weeks ago or whatever, at the early part of, of rookie draft season, it's like, ah, the coaches weren't high on this guy. And like the, the another guy that just pops in my head is somebody who lots of people were high on coming out. But I, I just wasn't because everything I had heard from the NFL people was they didn't like him was, was Josh Rosen. I mean, there were a bunch of videos of him. Like, I don't want to say arguing, but he was like, you know, pushing back with coaches. I I remember seeing some videos where he's doing, you know, the whiteboard shit and they were asking (laughs) him questions and you could just tell it wasn't an answer and it wasn't that the answer was bad. Like they didn't like his tone or whatever it was at the time. <laughs> okay. But, th- but that's something that I think people don't put into consideration. I mean, there's tons of guys who more or less stink, but they have a 10 year NFL career. And I think it's because coaches like them. They think they're coachable. I'll keep this guy on my team. At least I like him. Like, uh, right. Um, I can't think of a good example off the top of my head, but th- th- there's tons of uh, Keelan Doss, another senior bowl guy. I liked him. He's still floating around in the league. I mean, he's done nothing for, for fantasy purposes, but I enjoyed lands- that hard knock. So I enjoyed that hard knock. Yeah, he, he lands <laughs> in a practice squad. Another team picks him up. He did, you know, he ended up with a big signing bonus. It's like, th- there's a thing to, uh, again, not that that's where I'm <laughs> put, putting all my eggs in that basket. Right, right. That, not drafted part, in the first round. I got yeah, you. Yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> I think that's part of the thing a lot of people overlook. And and like I said, I consume a lot of information, especially rookie time, because I don't watch a lot of college football. So I need to catch up fast. And and a lot of that is like, well, if it comes down to two players, all things being equal, but I know coaches have said good things about this guy and the other guy have heard nothing. I'm going to take that guy 10 times out of 10 because I, I know that the coaches are hoping for him to do well. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm trying to say this without sounding like I'm uh, actively uh, – like I don't play like that, which is fine. Like uh, like I don't win every time either, so someone's got to play differently. But like um, when we go to the combine stuff, all my how do- defaults to is like – yeah, but DeAndre Hopkins had a bad 40 time and DK Metcalf ran a bad three cone to the specific one that you spoke about. And Jarvis Landry didn't measure him well or have particularly good combine. Like I know those groupings are really compelling when they're just in a bunch of players that don't compare well um, or aren't the players that you wanted in fantasy. But at the same time, I don't want to dismiss it because obviously you play fantasy, you do pretty well too. 
And there's some of that, like, um, I remember arguing with a guy about 40 times once, and he was talking about the running back time, which is probably a little bit more significant than wide receiver. Um, and me being like a, a, an arrogant little nerdy, especially when you get me on someone else's podcast, just knows how to gotcha, right? And so I let him draw the line and then pointed to the running backs like Arian Foster, who don't measure up and also are underdrafted. Um, but I remember it because, one, I definitely won that in exchange. But also, he knew something <laughs> about Arian Foster I didn't because I wasn't playing then. I wasn't watching the Combine then. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that Arian Foster was ill on the lead up to the Combine. And he was complaint- He was blaming his 40 time essentially for the contextual factors that I had no idea because they're not on my silly little spreadsheet. And it's not that he wasn't wrong. It's that he has a good point that if you're just paying attention and being a reasonable human and like the guy was sick, of course, he's going to run a small, a worse 40 time. Like there's value in just being aware of stuff. And that's kind of what you're doing. You're just trying to have a common sense approach to the way the process plays out. Paying pretty close. You say you have to catch up, but the way you're talking about the senior ball, it's pretty clear you pay pretty close attention, man. And and if you are serious about dynasty and want to make money doing this, or or you know, if you just <laughs> love to brag and, and beat everybody in your home league. I mean, right now, what what first round of fantasy playoffs are in the books, more than fifty percent of your dynasty teams out there are dead. I mean, so you have time to start getting into this and, and Sorry, just go back to the combine. Yeah. And the thing that I, I've never liked about the combine is I, I pay more attention to like the non-measured football drills. Right. So like yeah, watching guys run that gauntlet drill year right. after year after year, you can just see who's fluid, right? Like this guy right. looks good doing this. And I can compare that to the last, whatever, decade of watching people do this every year, sitting there with a notebook like a jerk, (laughs) watching the combine. So it's like some of that stuff isn't necessarily measurable. And then the thing with some of the measurables, like, you know, you hear people say uh, game speed. I hate the way they, like the 40 in particular. That's great. The starting position's great if you're just measuring linemen right but like i think wide receivers should start at the line like they start on the line at a football game like mm-hmm. stand there with your one foot forward and take off from that position so much of it is like oh well he's working with the usc track coach and can get off the line good like part of it's yeah. bullshit like it's it's manufactured and i don't trust it there is uh there are nuances i won't know to catch i just talked about it with rich last week but like zach reed is constantly talking about how pff doesn't measure he's not constant i, I don't know why i go to extreme he mentions that pff doesn't measure separation right because they meant they they measure it at the wrong point in the throw it's like the mm-hmm. separation at the point of catch isn't what's important to him if you watch the route you can see how much separation a player gets before that point, and that's what's important to him. Sometimes it's a sharp mind asking a good question you wouldn't think to have asked. And it's interesting that you mentioned like the way they stand um, and stuff like that. That could help someone out who's watching rather than uh, just looking at the numbers at the end like, like a moron like me. What's one thing you're doing with a dynasty roster if you only have one league? One particular trade, one particular type of move you're looking for? We've had a lot of different answers to it, if you want some suggestions where because that's dropped in from um, above with no context but i'm a big trade down guy 
get get as many darts as you can. You know, even if your process is good at the end of the day, it's, it's all a dart throw till they're actually playing in the NFL. So do do you like the guy you might get at 1.03? Sure. Do I like the chances if I could get 111 and 112 for that 1.03? Do I like that just as good as better? Yes, absolutely. Cause I, I I would rather give me as many guys as possible because the odds of one of them hitting is much better than me just crossing my fingers on the single pick. Again, different than me in almost all respects, which is definitely appreciated. But also I like the fact you took it more general, not specifically 2023 picks, but in general, take more shots instead of having higher value shots. I like that a lot. Appreciate that, man. Thanks very much. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.